From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icone. As we record this conversation on Tuesday, November 10th, President-elect Joe Biden just announced his transition team for the Treasury Department, a key part of his economic team. Biden has said that his top priority will be to tackle the pandemic and then to rebuild the country's economy. But his ability to address major tax law or regulatory changes depends on how much time Treasury staff focus on other work related to coronavirus relief. Colin Wilhelm, congressional reporter for Bloomberg Tax, joins me to discuss what the Biden administration's tax priorities will be and how the incoming Congress will shape those goals. Colin, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So let's start with possible picks for Treasury. Uh, There's been a number of names bandied about. Um, Who are you hearing who's at the top of the list to be Biden's cabinet pick for a Treasury Department? So the list actually looks pretty similar to what it looked like in 2016 for a potential Clinton administration. Um, And I think you're seeing a you see some of the same candidates because uh, they were vetted or they've kind of been out there. Um, so you've got uh, Lael Brainerd, who's a governor on the Federal Reserve Board. Um, she's also got previous Treasury experience. And I think she's pretty much seen as the front runner. She's also seen as a bit of a moderate who could get through a uh, potentially Republican-controlled Senate. It appears from some reports that uh, former uh, Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen is also under consideration. So you're seeing a, a pretty major focus on essentially experts on the economy uh, who can kind of shepherd a continued recovery uh, from the shock that we saw earlier this year due to COVID-19, uh, who also have a, a bit of uh, experience in uh, the financial world and financial regulation. Um, and who might, you know, be able to appease progressives while being threading that needle of being pretty moderate and pretty uh, widely respected. What about IRS commissioners? Is it too soon to know who might uh, run the helm of the agency? I think it might be a little bit too soon. You know, I think we'll we'll probably get to that point uh, in the next few weeks. But yeah, I think for right now, it's a little bit of a um, little bit of a mystery. So let's talk about President-elect Biden's tax priorities. What tax law changes would a Biden administration seek? So uh, Vice President Biden campaigned, or President-elect at this point, uh, Biden uh, campaigned on essentially raising corporate taxes uh, to a 28% rate from their current just under 21% rate. Uh, That would essentially undo a major piece of the 2017 tax law, something that... uh, uh, the business community and Republicans would be somewhat opposed to. So Vice President Biden campaigned on treating capital gains closer to or as uh, normal income, basically a de facto capital gains rate uh, increase, and essentially raising about $2 trillion worth of, of taxes uh, or revenue and taxes over the next several years. Uh, that was going to go towards funding a pretty ambitious agenda. That's probably been thrown out the window. Uh, that that would have been something that would be much more on the table had the Senate flipped uh, with a Democratic majority of like 54 or 55. Uh, at this point, uh, the best that Democrats can hope to achieve is a 50-50 split, it appears. 
uh, with uh, Vice President-elect uh, Kamala Harris as the tie-splitting uh, vote. So that really reins in a lot of what uh, Vice President Biden ran on and uh, what he could hope to achieve in the next couple of years. And that's just because he would need support from Republicans to get any of those measures through the Senate. Yeah, I mean, it's possible with a narrow majority that Democrats could pass uh, a major tax-changing legislative agenda uh, through a process known as budget reconciliation that necessitates only a narrow majority within uh, the Senate for tax and spending measures. Uh, it's something that was used by Republicans pretty effectively in 2017, also by the by, or the uh, Obama administration in 2010 to pass health care reform. It comes down to how effectively the Biden administration can whip their own uh, members, uh, what kind of support they can find for his own agenda. So are there areas where, you know, that, that sounds like a, a much higher bar, a higher threshold to meet. So are there areas where Biden and Republican lawmakers might find consensus as it relates to taxes and tax policy? So I've been asking around about this uh, since it's going to be tough for Democrats to hold both those seats in Georgia, although I think that's going to be a pretty close race. The response that I've been given is, yeah, you know, there might be a few areas of overlap and interest. Uh, one is infrastructure. The Senate Finance Committee and, and House Ways and Means would actually play a bit of a role in financing. Uh, and that's kind of an underappreciated aspect of uh, an infrastructure plan. Uh, obviously, what that goes towards is set more by uh, other committees, but the power of the purse is a powerful one. And, you know, that's something where you could see those two committees playing a pretty major role. Uh, Senate finance, if it were Republican controlled, would obviously be in the, the driver's seat there. The other responses I've gotten in asking around are the child tax credit uh, and some level of uh, multi-employer pension reform and uh, and also uh, retirement reforms. Uh, there's been a bit of a bipartisan push to build on the SECURE Act that passed the other year. Uh, that's something that tweaked how tax-benefited uh, retirement accounts are uh, used. There's several members of Congress who have uh, both, so House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal and Ranking Member Kevin Brady uh, introduced uh, basically a, a new piece of legislation that would add on to that and uh, Senators Ben Cardin and, and Rob Portman have also uh, worked together on some legislative proposals to uh, basically to, to tweak retirement rules. So it's not going to be, you know, a lot of really headline grabbing stuff, but it's stuff that matters to a lot of people and can really uh, impact a lot of um, different policy areas. Well, you mentioned the 2017 tax law earlier. There are some deadlines baked into that law that start to kick in next year and again in, in 2022. Uh, remind us, what are these deadlines? What is it that lawmakers will might have to address? What will happen if they don't? So this is something that kind of brings both sides to the table. Uh, it would be essentially de facto tax increases that were baked into the 2017 law as a way of getting it uh, through the budget reconciliation process. You know, long way of saying that they had to basically uh, put in some vegetables to uh, eat the uh, dessert of tax cuts, too. So 
um, that's kind of a, a for- forcing mechanism for both sides to come to the table and say, okay, let's try to get something done and negotiate a compromise that maybe extends these the, the current law so that there aren't those de facto tax increases while maybe coming to a negotiated agreement on, say, an expended child tax credit or some other uh, tax items that are, are kind of around the edges. It's a negotiating negotiation tool for both sides, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it basically puts them in the same room and, sit, and makes them talk to each other, which is something that uh, can be a little bit difficult to do in, on Capitol Hill sometimes. Well, speaking of the Hill, uh, the election is over, even though votes are still being counted. Um, we, for all practical purposes, it, it's winding down, and that means we're in the lame duck session. What can we expect from lawmakers during the next two months before, you know, before the next Congress comes into office? The Georgia Senate race, uh, races, I should say, are really hanging over that. Um, you saw the day after the election, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, kind of endorsed the idea of another uh, round of stimulus or economic aid, basically building on the efforts that or continuing the efforts uh, that he put forth uh, in early August. Obviously, the Senate, House and Senate have been at a, a loggerheads over the last few months. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi really wants a, a much larger package than what Senate Republicans have been willing to agree on. And so I think she's been a little bit more hesitant. I think you're going to end up seeing maybe a, a push for a narrower agreement uh, that would be more focused around another round of um, uh, paycheck protection programs, small business assistance, maybe another round of stimulus checks from the IRS, um, a couple of state and local aid uh, for uh, governments that are, are struggling with their own um, balance sheets right now due to the uh, due to the uh, pandemic and uh, maybe one or two other items uh, continued unemployment assistance. But I think at, once you get past four or five kind of high ticket items, uh, the areas of agreement start to decrease. And so I think, it's going to be one of these things where they have to come to an agreement pretty quickly and uh, move that, or you're going to have this, uh, the politics of this really unusually important runoff, uh, double runoff in Georgia kind of stymie those efforts um, because both sides will see an advantage to uh, being able to run off of what the other side's not agreeing to. You know, we'll see uh, that that runoff is or those two runoffs are on January 5th. I'm not used to uh, a double runoff scenario. It doesn't happen often, um, especially one. And I don't think this has ever happened that would affect the or determine that the um, Senate majority. Do we have any sense of how uh, the Biden administration would approach or what I'll call emerging issues or hot topics like cryptocurrency, digital assets, even legal cannabis businesses? So I think in terms of uh, cannabis business, um, I'll take the last one first. Uh, you know, there's been an increasing push towards legalization at the state level uh, nationwide. I think there were a few more states that uh, legalized for four states, uh, our producer David tells me, uh, via the magic of, of internet video. Um, so 
I think you might see more of an approach towards uh, trying to clear up the the gray areas around, in particular, um, banking marijuana businesses that are legal in their own states. Uh, that's a, a continuing issue on the federal level. Um, and I think that's probably, I think the cannabis industry or certainly the banking industry would tell you that's one of the biggest issues affecting that, that sort of hot button, um, area, uh, in terms of cryptocurrency, I'm a little, I'm not so sure that the approach is going to change that much from what we're seeing out of the IRS right now, um, or from, uh, other parts of the federal government. I think, um, I'd have to, to think about that a little bit more, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of difference between the way it's approached currently and, and under a Biden administration. And I wonder what you'll be watching going forward as this transition rolls out and, and we get closer to January 20. What, what, what issues are you going to be watching? What names are you going to be listening out for? I mean, the Georgia Senate runoffs are going to be the number one issue from now until they happen. Uh, and I know everyone has election fatigue and campaign fatigue for good reason, but it's not really over. Uh, and that's going to be a hugely expensive double Senate race um, that's going to have major implications for the opening of um, the Biden administration and, and what they might achieve. You know, other than that, still keeping an eye out on Treasury, who some of those, in addition to the Treasury Secretary, who some of the other political appointees at the department might be. Uh, they set a lot of policy, and um, I think that'll be, you know, worth watching. We'll, we'll be fully into the, um, the vetting carousel in a couple weeks. So I think we'll start to see uh, more of of who might be considered for those positions. Well, we know you'll be continuing to re- report on this and many other topics for us, Colin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Colin Wilhelm is a congressional reporter for Bloomberg Tax. Thanks for having me. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about today's podcast, reach out to us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. That's at T-A-X. Talking Tax is produced by me, Amanda Icone, and David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Tax. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.